Of course, that was a clip from the movie Aladdin. And when that movie first came out, which was 1992, by the way, uh, I probably watched it half a dozen times or so because my kids were little. So I would watch it with them. You know what we did, though? We watched it on one of these. <laughs> Anybody remember what these are? These are called VHS tapes. Yeah, we still have it. We still have all our old Disney movies on these VHS tapes at home. So there you go. But my favorite character in Aladdin, the movie Aladdin, of course, I think is the genie. And that was played by Robin Williams. It was the voice of Robin Williams. And um, the, one reason I like it, you, you literally have to watch the movie like about six times to pick up everything he says because he just talks so fast and says so many things. My understanding is he would just go off script all the time. So finally the director said, just let it roll, let it roll. And he encouraged all the actors and all who were doing voices to just roll with it and just improvise as Robin Williams went with it. I've, I've just been amazed. I always wondered how someone's mind could work like his work. And... In May, the new Aladdin movie is coming out. Excited about that? Yeah, that'll be fun to see. Disney does a lot of remakes of their old movies, and usually they're really good, so that'll be interesting to see. But in that scene you just saw, of course, what we see is the genie giving Aladdin three wishes. Now, most of us, if not all of us, have at least thought about, if not dreamed about, what we would do if we had three wishes. So, when you read Psalm 37.4 in the Bible, my question is this, does it take you to genie land? Here's what it says. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desire. Wow. Seriously? And you read that and it gets your attention, doesn't it? So, if I want to marry this beautiful, intelligent, charming young lady, if I take delight in the Lord, then the next thing you know, she'll be walking down the aisle? Or if I want to marry this chiseled, hot, smart guy who makes $150,000 a year in his job. All I have to do is take delight in the Lord and we'll be on our honeymoon. Is that how this works? So if you want the perfect job, if you want the new car, if you want the dream home, if you want a spouse, if you want a different spouse, if you want the Colts to win the Super Bowl, if you want the Caribbean vacation, if you want to make an A on the test, all you have to do is take delight in the Lord, and it'll happen. Is that what God is like? Is He just like a big blue genie, just waiting to grant our every request and desire and wish? I think we all know in our heart of hearts that uh, there's something flawed about thinking like that, right? And practically speaking, we know it's not true because not everybody's driving the new car and living in their dream house, right? There's got to be more to this. And there is. And the interesting thing is, as you dig deeper and see the meaning behind what this says, you'll find out it's better than you thought. So, 
We're beginning a new series today, Adam mentioned it earlier, called Bumper Sticker Bible. We're just going to look at some of those common verses that are often quoted, or sometimes you see them on bumper stickers, you see them out there, often they're misquoted or misunderstood, and uh, like, like for example, have you ever heard the phrase, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? That one's often quoted. Well, that comes from Philippians 4.13 in the Bible. So, if my desire is to be in the NFL, will Christ do that for me? Or if I want to get into medical school, or if I want to perform on Broadway, is that all it takes? Well, we'll look at Philippians 4.13 next Sunday, but today we're going to focus on Psalm 37.4. Here's what it says again. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. In the Bible, we read many promises that come to us. Some of them are fabulous promises. They come from God, a lot of them do. Of course, this is one of them. But here's what you need to understand. Many times in the Bible, when there's a promise it's preceded by a premise. And what I mean by a premise is just a statement. Sometimes it's conditional, almost like if, then. In other words, if you exercise, then you'll be healthier. If you read your Bible daily, then you'll be closer to God. So there are premises followed by promises. That's true in Psalm 37.4. Let me give you another example from the Bible because I, I want to read something to you from the book of James that's just loaded with promises to us. This is James chapter 4, and uh, I'll read you three verses. Check out all these promises. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, he will come close to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Now, there are at least three promises in what we just read, but they're all preceded by premises. So the first one is this, the devil will flee from you. But there were two premises. You've got to humble yourself and resist him. Then the next verse you read, it says, God will come close to you. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? But it says, the premise is come close to him. Or the verse that says, God will lift you up but it's preceded by the premise that says, humble yourself. See how that works? Premise, promise. So when we come to this mind-blowing promise of Psalm 37.4, which says, God will give you your heart's desires, it begs the question, what is the premise. And by the way, we're going to include the next verse in it too, Psalm 37 5, because it has an amazing promise as well. Let me tell you what it says. It says this commit everything you do to the Lord and trust Him, and He will help you. Who wouldn't want that promise, right? Have God help them through life. But did you notice there are two premises here? Commit everything you do to the Lord and trust Him. So we're going to start in 37.4, and we're going to start with that very first premise. Because what this premise will do is it will lead us to a much better understanding of the promise. And, of course, like we said, the premise is this. Take delight in the Lord. Now, this was originally written in Hebrew. Almost all of the Old Testament, which is the first half of our Bible, was written in Hebrew. And the word delight in Hebrew can actually mean the word 
delicious. Now, I love that word, not only because of the picture it forms in your mind, but the word delicious just sounds delicious, doesn't it? One thing I love about the holidays is that my wife usually makes my favorite dessert. It's called double layer pumpkin pie. This is what it looks like right here. <laughs> this is the real deal. Okay, so it has like a layer of pumpkin pie on top, as you can see. But it also, below it, has like vanilla pudding and cream cheese and whipped cream and spices in it. And literally, there are only about 25 calories in this entire piece of pie. <laughs> I'm lying, all right? <laughs> Actually, my wife was making it yesterday. She made me a new one. This isn't left over from Christmas, but she was making it yesterday. So just for the fun of it, she decided to add up. She decided there are about 4,200 calories in the pie itself. I could eat the whole thing in one sitting, you know. I mean, the entire pie. I really could. So if I did that, I would have enough calories for like the next two days, you know. But hey, that might be all right. I could eat a whole double pound kind and not eat for the next two days. I don't know. But anyway, here's how I would describe this piece of pie. Delicious. And because I think it is, I'm going to go ahead and sample it right here in front of you. <laughs> and it is. Um, I'm not going to eat any more of this because it is not 25 calories, okay? In fact, if you're tempted to want to try this afterwards, and I, I better reserve it just for grown-ups, but if you're tempted to want to try this afterwards, I'm literally not going to eat this piece of pie. Come up and tell me. We'll get you a clean fork, and you can try it yourself. There you go. <laughs> See what you think. But do you have something that you would uh, describe as delicious? That's how we can approach our relationship with God. He should almost be irresistible to us. But you don't have to try him just twice a year on the holidays. He's there all the time. So what does it mean to take delight in the Lord? Think of it like you would any relationship. Do you remember a time where you were dating someone and you became so captivated by that person that you just wanted to be with them all the time? That's all you ever thought about was them and you wanted to talk to them or text them all day long. You want to do anything you could to make them happy and you would try to plan your schedule around them. Taking delight in the Lord means you want to spend time with Him, you want to talk to Him, you want to hear from Him, you want to plan your life around Him. You do that through reading your Bible where obviously we can hear from Him. That's one reason, as Adam also mentioned earlier, that we're offering you the Ridge Reading Challenge again this year because that will help you get into your Bible daily. Taking delight means that you make your relationship with God a priority. So even things like church attendance, serving, giving, it means you live out your life hour by hour thinking about God, talking to Him. So as you're going through your day, you're thinking, God... What do you want me to do? Or how do you want me to handle this situation I'm in? Or, or Lord, I'm really feeling anxious about this. Will you calm me? Or, or, Father, how can I respond in this situation today in a way that would please you? Or, Jesus, what would you want my attitude to be towards my situation at work, on my job? That's how you take delight in the Lord. Now, understanding the premise, take delight in the Lord is the key to understanding the promise, the next phrase, the one that gets all of our attention. 
That's the one that says, he will give you your heart's desires. Listen closely. When you take delight in the Lord, you will find that your desires begin to align with his desires. So you can find peace and contentment in all your circumstances and all your life. And isn't peace and contentment and joy and fulfillment what we're really looking for? Isn't that what's really going on below the surface anyway? Sure, it'd be nice to have that new car or that dream house or this relationship or that job or for this problem to go away or for God to fix that. But if you dig below the surface, what we're driving at, what we really want is a desire to find peace and contentment and joy and fulfillment in our life, right? I have good news. The only place you can find that is in your relationship with God, but he wants that kind of relationship with you. And when you take delight in him, you can find that. So you see, the promise is actually much better than we thought. When you take delight in the Lord, your desires begin to change, and you find yourself wanting what God wants. You find out that his interests become your interests. Would it surprise you? If I told you that I listen to country music, do you know why? My wife got me started. Now, I don't go to Nashville every summer to the country music festival called the CMA Fest and spend four days listening to the top country stars perform like my wife and daughter do every year. But honestly, part of the reason is because those concerts go till midnight or 1 a.m. every night, and I've got half a night sleeping by then. But I do listen to it on the radio, so I can tell you who Luke Bryan, Keith Urban, Kelsey Ballerini, Brad Paisley, Carrie Underwood, Mara Morris, Dirk Bentley, Miranda Labert, and Chris Stapleton are. My wife did that to me. But guess what? If you were to ask my wife who the quarterback for Notre Dame was this last year, she can give you his name. Or if you were to ask her who the quarterback for the Chicago Bears is, she could tell you. And she ran a half marathon this last year, and she works out every week. Where did she get that? From me. It happens. When you love someone and you're in a close relationship with them, your desires and your interests begin to align. And when you take delight in the Lord, you will find yourself wanting what He wants. You will find your priorities becoming His priorities you will find out that his desires become your desires. So the desires of your heart will be his, and those desires will be met. See, I told you this is better than we thought. Now, you may be thinking, well, what about when I go through difficult and tough times? It's not my desire to go through those. Here's the amazing thing. You will find that your perspective can change even on those. There's a little book that the pastoral staff read at the end of this last year called The Red Sea Rules. It's based on the book of Exodus in the Bible. It's actually based on all in one chapter, Exodus chapter 14 in the Bible. And it's the story of the nation of Israel being miraculously rescued and crossing the Red Sea. The subtitle of this book is 10 God-Given Strategies for Difficult Times. I highly recommend this book because of the perspective it gives you on difficulties and trials in life. It's just a short little book. It's a quick read. So, for example, there are 10 rules 
of this book. Rule number one is this. Realize you are where God wants you to be. Rule number two is this. Be more concerned for God's glory than your relief. And like I said, it's a quick read. It's an interesting read, but it has some really... Um, really profound principles in it for us. And on, if this is a little book is something that you say, hey, this might be of interest to me, stop by the connection desk and we'll get you one this week and have it available. We actually had a number of copies available. They're just $5 each for this little book and we sold out after the first service this morning of those copies. But we're taking, um, we have a list out there, we're taking names and if you would like a copy of this book, um, we'll get you one this ne- next week and have it available for you. Have you ever heard a story, the story of someone who perhaps goes through unspeakable tragedy and comes out on the other side? Uh, Bob Mortimer was at our church and told his story back in 2015. He lost one of his arms and both of his legs in a car accident when he was a teen. He's now in a wheelchair. He calls it a blessing. He says it's the best thing that ever happened to him. And when you talk to him, you find a man who's filled with joy and peace, who wouldn't trade his circumstances. Why? Because that tragic accident turned his life around. It drew him to God. And now God uses him to impact thousands of people. Bob's desires became God's desires. And in that, Bob found joy and peace and fulfillment and contentment. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. The promise is better than we think, because it gives us what we need, not what we want. And it doesn't end there. It gets better if you keep reading. There's another amazing premise promise, and I mentioned that earlier in Psalm 37, verse 5. Here's what that verse says, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him, and he will help you. Now, as we said, there are two premises here, followed by a promise. The first one is commit everything you do to the Lord. The second one is to trust him. Now, while they may look like two separate premises, they're actually closely connected. Perhaps they're even one thought. Let me explain. Well, Commit everything you do to the Lord. The operative word there is everything. In other words, we don't have a no trespassing sign for God in any single area of our life. Any area of my life where I put a no trespassing sign to keep God out will likely end up being an area that's going to defeat me anyway and impact every area of my life. So, have I committed my relationships to him? Any no trespassing signs there? Am I dating or willing to date only someone that will encourage me in my relationship with God? Have I committed my future to him? Am I willing to make decisions now that I know will put me in a place that will honor God in the future? Have I committed my finances to him? Am I willing to make decisions that he would want me to make, decisions that will matter for eternity? Am I willing to commit my sexuality to him? Am I willing to wait until I'm married and just express my sexuality in marriage, including some safeguards in place to avoid pornography? Have I committed my time to him, 
my career path to Him? Am I willing to say, God, what can I do to honor you? How can I have integrity in my job? God is a God of love and always wants what's best for us. That's why He tells us to commit everything to Him. That means that we have to trust Him though, right? If you're going to commit everything to Him, you got to be able to trust Him. You see how they're connected, the commitment and trust? There's a golf shot in golf called a flop shot. It's a shot that you usually take up close to the green. And the idea is you're trying to hit it way high in the air and drop it onto the green so that it almost stops when it hits, um, hopefully, close to the hole. But when you shoot this shot, the way you have to hit it normally is you want to swing almost a full swing with a club. You take a lofted club, which just means it's a club where the ball's going to go more up than out. And you take almost a full swing so you get under the ball and it goes almost straight up and then comes down on the green. Here's the challenge though. Because you take a full swing at a shot like this, if you hit a little up on the ball, you can do what's called blading it, and it, the golf ball will just shoot out at kind of a line drive, and it could even go 50, 100 yards beyond the green. And if you swing too far under the ball, you could almost miss the ball, and it would dribble just a few inches. It's a high-risk shot, but it has rewards if you hit it right. One of my sons used to play um, in a lot of golf tournaments, and every time I could see him getting ready to hit one of these shots, I would just hold my breath because I knew, yeah, the, the reward is great, but there's a lot of risk involved in a shot like this. Now, if a golf coach is coaching you on a shot like this, a flop shot, he will say something to you like this, you have to commit to this shot. You have to commit to taking a full swing. You have to trust it. Because if you don't commit to it and you start slowing down when you're about to hit the ball, you're not going to hit it well at all. So they'll say, you got to commit to it. You've got to trust it. You see the connection between the two? There is no commitment if there isn't trust. The only way you can commit everything is to trust it. And the only way you can commit everything to God is to trust Him. And sometimes that can be so hard to do. So how do you learn to trust God in everything? Well, you do it a step at a time. You do it a day at a time. You do it a week at a time. You do it a month at a time. And as you find Him trustworthy, it gets easier to do that. Years ago, when my kids were younger, we lived near Par 3 Golf Course. And on the course, there are a couple ponds there. And one winter, it snowed, and they wanted to go sledding. And there are a couple hills there as well where you can sled. So when we went over there, um, there the ponds were frozen. It had been cold for a number of days now, so there's a pretty good layer of ice on the pond. And my kids said, Dad, can we walk out on the ice? Well... I want to make sure, first of all, it was safe for them to walk on the ice. And I know there's kind of like a four-inch rule where it needs to be about four inches thick before you walk on it, but I didn't have any way to measure that. So here's what I did. I walked up to the side of the pond, and I put one foot on the ice, kept one foot on the ground, and I pressed down, kind of like that. 
Then I, and I didn't hear any cracking or the ice didn't break beneath me, so I put my other foot out on the ice, kind of did the same thing. Then I stepped out a little further and I did the same thing and no cracking, no popping, the ice wasn't breaking, so I went out a little further. Finally, I just began jumping up and down. My kids are watching me do this. Finally, I decided, okay, it's good. You can come out on the ice. That's how we learn to trust in any relationship, including our relationship with God. As you do life a step at a time, you surrender control to Him by trusting Him, and He proves Himself to be trustworthy. Then you take the next step. And here's the promise. If you trust Him, He will help you. I mean, who wouldn't want that, right? Who doesn't want that from God? God is there for you to walk through life for you. Now, this doesn't mean all your problems will go away. But it does mean, like the first principle of that book, the Red Sea Rule says, the first rule that you can live with peace and joy, knowing that you're right where God wants you to be. You're now trusting Him, and there's no better place to be. So as we start 2019, do you need to take delight in the Lord do you need to commit everything you do to Him and trust Him? The promises are there for you if you hold on to them. Would you bow your heads and as we begin this first Sunday of 2019, I want to give you a moment just at the end of this service to be able to get alone in your thoughts and just have a quiet moment. Perhaps you haven't had one of these in a while, but I want this quiet moment to be for you and God. And do you need now, as we launch this new year, to tell God to tell Him, perhaps in a silent prayer, that you're going to commit everything to Him this year and trust Him? Your marriage, your job, your relationships, your finances, your family, a trial, a problem that you're worried about, Take this moment right now, kind of a gift to spend this time, this quiet moment with God. And just talk to Him. Tell Him you want to take delight in Him this next year, that you're going to commit everything to Him and trust Him. Perhaps you need to take that initial step to trust God. And what I mean by that is trusting Him with your eternal destiny. The Bible tells us we've all sinned, that our relationship with God is broken because of our sin, but the reason Jesus came to earth and died and came back to life is to pay the penalty for our sin. And he offers us forgiveness so that we can have a right relationship with God, but that comes through faith, by trusting in what Jesus did for us, not by relying on our own efforts or anything good that we think we can do. When you do that, God's promise is that your sins are forgiven, you have a right relationship with God, it's restored based on what Jesus has done for you, and you have the promise that you can spend eternal life with Him in heaven. So right now, as I close us in prayer, perhaps you'll want to take this moment and just silently pray to God and just make that decision to trust in what Jesus has done for you.